Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I Hey, thanks. Um, I want to start off this morning. Most, most of the time, when you come to church, uh, I'm going to start off a sermon. Um, try to be pretty lighthearted, but I've got to be honest with you. I was, I was going through um, just kind of preparing my heart last night to preach. And I've got to be honest with you. i, I just got to be a little open today. I'm, I'm really struggling. Uh, like, my heart is really heavy today. I, I know a lot of you probably have, uh, have probably heard some stuff in the news that um, my do- so my daughter's on the track team at Janesville Craig, and one of the coaches uh, has gotten arrested this week for doing some stuff that um, incredibly has damaged the trust of the kids on that team and the kids in that school. Um, and I'm just, I'm being really, really honest. Like, I got to preach a relationship message right now. And last week I talked about, I actually preached that 99%, 99.9% of the time we are called to gentleness uh, and not the kind of anger where we're turning over tables. And I got to be honest, like, I am wanting to turn over tables this weekend like I've never wanted to before. Um, the anger that I felt in my heart on Friday night, I, I, told my, I told my daughter, I've never wanted to beat somebody up. Um, and I'm, I'm short, and I can't do that usually. And I would, like, there's just, there's, there's something. In, and, and we also talked about holy anger. There is a holy anger when evil happens. Um, and stuff like this is really, really evil. And how do we, I'm struggling with this idea of loving people right now that don't deserve it, in my mind. Um, I'm trying to be really, really honest with you. I've coached with this guy for a year and a half. My daughter has been coached by this guy. Um, and so I'm really, I'm standing up here this morning really mad. Um, I am, I'm, str- I'm just struggling to get through, okay? Um, and so what I'm finding out is this relationship stuff that we're talking about in this relationship series, it is sometimes way easier said than done. Uh, anger is real. My anger is real. Uh, the anger of a lot of people right now is really real. And I believe that emotions have to play out in, in situations like this. Um, emotions can't just be simply packed away, but I also believe this I believe this from, from the bottom of my heart, and I'm really struggling to want to wanna enact this, but I know it's not healthy for me or for anybody else to stay angry for too long. Uh, no matter how deep the wound is that has inflicted us, it is not a healthy place to... to I don't want to be in the place of, of extreme anger for too long. Uh, peace is better for our health. And so um, there are a lot of kids in our community right now who are hurting, there's a lot of girls who feel violated. There's a lot of boys who feel angry. There's a lot of parents like me and my wife who are just trying to protect our kids and we're angry. And so what I want to do before I, before I try preaching is I want to ask you to pray with me. Because um, I know I talked to my daughter on the way, when, when we were coming home. I said, I'm not worried about you. I know, I know you love Jesus and I know you've got a, a home where people love Jesus and, and are going to love you well. But I know that there's a lot of girls, especially in, the, in, our, in our community right now, who maybe they don't have that. 
and we need to be praying that God does, I believe God can bring light into some of the darkest places. And I, right now there is a real darkness that's happened in our community, and I, I want to ask you to pray with me, okay? So let's pray together. Lord, uh, God, I pray right now for, um, for girls who I'm, I'm watching walk off this bus on Friday night, and I know that they're hurting. Um, God, I pray that you would, in the, in the next coming days, that you would actually bring real true healing I know a lot of them don't even know what to feel. Um, and God, I pray that you'd bring them through the emotions that they need to go through. Uh, God, I pray that there would be an ability to trust. Uh, when things like this happen, trust is broken down. And God, I just pray that, that our young women in our community would, would be able to trust. Um, most, of, most of all, that they would learn to trust in Jesus. God, I pray that there would be light uh, brought into the darkest of places right now. God, I pray that young men in our, in our community would understand uh, the importance of, of loving and protecting people. Uh, God, I pray for parents who are trying to have conversations with kids as young as, as kindergarten right now. Uh, God, I pray that you would do what needs to be done in hearts and lives. Uh, you know where the pain is. You know how to meet that pain. And so I ask that you do it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now I'm really sorry, I am sorry to start off that way, but it's just, it's heavy on my heart. And so going into this sermon, we are actually going into 1 Corinthians 13, because you can't do a relationship series without going to the love chapter. Um, so that's what we're going to look, we're going to look a little bit at the love chapter here. Um, and I want you to pay particular, particularly close attention to how Paul writes uh, about knowing fully and being fully known. There is something powerful about about being fully known by somebody and, and knowing somebody in fullness and still there being a, this thing in us where we, are, we know we're still fully loved. And so I love what Paul talks about uh, in this chapter, the things that we see, where, how love never fails. And so we're starting in verse 8, and it says this, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes... What is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the, child, the, uh, the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, when, you're, when you're in your growing up years, I think all of us, we, we feel like, man, this is like, life is hard. And then you get into adulthood and you realize what real responsibility is. And you, you, you look back at yourself and you're like, man, it was kind of easy. But there's this weird thing about growing up. I have not met a person yet who has said, man, I want to go back and do high school all over again. Man, I want to go back and, and live my childhood all over again. Because you know what? There's something about childhood that is tough. And a lot of it is, I think, these insecurities that we have. Uh, I think more than anything, we, we're trying to find our place in the world as we're growing up. And it is tough to get to that place. Uh, if you listen to my, our, our, po our church podcast uh, at all, this last Thursday, I, I shared a little story about a friend, Aaron. And I'm actually going to like, kind of expound on that story right now. Uh, I'm going to take you all the way back to first grade for a little bit. Um, 
At this point, I didn't have somebody who I would necessarily call my best, my best friend. I had a friend in kindergarten uh, that I'd say we kind of became best friends that year. And uh, I remember typing up a note for him one time. And I was typing it on the computer because that's what cool people would do. Actually, it wasn't a computer. It was a typewriter. <laughs> Even more cool, okay? And so I'm typing him up this note, and I bring it to him, and I hand it to him. And he's like, this is awesome, Kellen. All this stuff is secret spy military stuff that you wrote on here. I'm like, I must be a genius. It, was, it felt pretty good. I didn't even know how to spell you guys. It was awesome. And so this friend of mine named Scott, I remembered it, and he moved away after, after kindergarten. And so I get into first grade, and I'm like, I, I got to find a friend. And, and I met this kid named Adam. And Adam and me became quick best friends. We liked all the same stuff. We, we were competing against each other in the, mile, uh, in, in the mile run at gym class all the time. We loved basketball. Like, we'd play kickball at, at recess. And like, just everything clicked with us. Became really good friends. Uh, and then fourth grade comes along. I, I got three years, and I'm thinking, man, me and, me and Adam, we're like bros. This is good. And in fourth grade, this kid named Aaron moves into town from Rockford, Illinois. I I don't like Illinois, you guys. (laughs) I know some of you probably are from there or maybe even drove over the border to come here. I'm sorry, but... And so Aaron was this... He's this good-looking kid. He had a great smile. All the girls liked him. My friend Adam liked him. I even liked him. I I couldn't help it. And over the next three years, it started... I started to feel this little bit, this pang of jealousy, like Aaron was taking my, my best friend. And then in sixth grade comes along, and we're at track practice. This is how, how warped life is when you're a kid. I remember this like it was yesterday, sixth grade. And all of my buddies are talking about, oh, the birthday party we're going to go to at Aaron's house after. Guess who wasn't going? This guy right here. And, and honestly, so I've never really opened up about this before. I probably should have gone to a therapist at some point because like, this is my moment a little bit. But... Um, there is, a, there is a hurt there, this feeling of, of not being fully known, not being fully loved, and it, and it really kind of hurt. Um, now, I want to I say, eighth grade came along, and I got to go to Aaron's birthday party. <laughs> it, was, it was like a highlight of the year. It was really good. But it's, relationships are tough. It's funny how something so insignificant to us as adults becomes such a significant thing in the life of a kid. And now as an adult, if I'm not the one that's invited to things, I'm like, thank God. I get to stay home and do nothing? Yes. Love it. But man, when you're a kid, that feeling of FOMO, the fear of missing out, it is real and it, and it, it, it just hurts you. And here's what I think. I think we are born with a desire to know and to be fully known. We're born with that desire. We want that. That is what love actually is. And something in us in an early age, we know that being alone is actually not what's best. And so going back into this passage, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul says, Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. What's he saying, then I shall know? When we see Jesus face to face, in heaven, we shall know things fully, which we shall know, we shall know love fully, is what he's saying. And right now, we know love in just partial increments, these, in these little bits and pieces. Right now, you see love, but you see it as an incomplete, imperfect reflection of something. 
see love as a reflection in a mirror. And you might say, you know, he's saying uh, we, we see as a reflection in a mirror, and, and you're a bit like, Kellen, the reflection in the mirror is like exactly what I see. It's a, that's a good reflection. That's great. But if you actually think about the, the kind of reflection in a mirror that Paul was, would have been talking about, uh, back then it's probably not the same kind of beautiful glass mirrors that we have now. It'd be this polished uh, metal mirror that you'd have that, yeah, it probably gives a reflection, but there's distortion. And it's not this perfect reflection that when you and I go into the bathroom and we look at our reflection, it's this perfect, it's not the kind of reflection he's saying there. He's saying that what we see today, what we know and the love that we experience, it is but a mere imperfect reflection of what the love of Jesus actually looks like. And we feel that every single day. But Paul, I think, is saying something important for us to grasp onto, that that we have to try to step out of these childlike understandings of love. Right now, on earth, I will always know in part. I will know God's love in part, and I will have the wisdom to love only in part. But when I see Jesus face to face, I will know him and his love fully, and I will be capable of loving him full. We just don't, we don't have it all right now, you guys. And I don't have the, the, the capability in me to love the way that I'm. That's why I'm struggling to, to find it in me uh, to be able to love even a person that has done absolute evil. It's easy to hear this and get annoyed and be like, man, what's the point then? What, what's the point of loving? If I'm, not, if I'm never really going to be able to fully be able to do it here on earth, why, do I, why should I keep trying so hard? But I think Paul is actually saying to us, there is always room for improvement. If we're not going to know it fully until we see Jesus face to face, then if you think that you've got it down pat right now, guess what? There's more room for improvement. There's more that you can know. There's more that you can understand. The biggest problem for us is this. We naturally want to experience being fully known and fully loved, but we usually look for it in all the wrong places. Back in fourth grade, I was jealous of my friend Aaron because uh, to me, at that point, being fully loved was partly having this, this friend of mine, Adam, who was my best friend. And not, not having him be best friends with this kid who moved up from Illinois. That was just annoying to me. And as a high schooler, I thought the fully loved experience would come when I showed the world that I, I could do awesome things in academics or sports. But that didn't give me the experience of being fully loved. As an adult married man, I am close to experiencing that that full-known, fully-loved thing with my wife. She literally knows me better in ways than I even know myself. She looks at me and tells me, don't say it before I say the stupid thing. And then I say it, because that's who I am. Um, But she knows me better than I I know myself. And she still chooses to love me in spite of all that. But while I'm closer to being fully known by her than anybody else, I also still struggle to feel fully loved by her. That is not her fault. That's 100% on me. It's, not, it's my understanding of, of grace in Christ that is not where it should be all the time. And so I look for things in somebody else that I should be looking for in Jesus. And so then my, my conception of love is completely warped. And so when I come to understand that I actually fully, I am fully loved in Jesus... Then I don't have to look around anymore to find this, this fully loved experience in somebody else who can't actually even give it to me in a perfect way. No matter how amazing my wife is and how loving she is, she'll never give that, that love to me in a, in a fully loved experience the way that Jesus can. And so if, 
if I'm looking for this in, in, in something other than Christ, I, I'm, it's not going to work. There's simply no place that you're ever going to experience this fully known, fully loved experience outside of Jesus. I love the way that Timothy Keller puts it. He says, to be known, but to be not known but loved is actually quite unsatisfying. To be exposed and well known but rejected is our greatest nightmare. To be known fully and loved fully, to be naked and unashamed would be joy unlimited. In heaven, that's what you have. I don't care who you're talking about this morning. It could be a tiny little child. It could be the most popular kid or the least popular kid in, in, a, in an elementary school or high school today. It could be the successful middle-aged person who's married and has a family. It could be the single person who's maybe looking for their soulmate. It could be the, the retired person who's looking back on their life. We all want to feel like we are fully known by somebody and then that person still fully loves us. It's what we're looking for. We want to live open and unashamed and still yet fully loved. And that kind of love would produce in us, I think, a joy that would get us through what we need to get through. So I want us to actually take a look at answering two questions this morning uh, that I think can, can help us in our mindset of understanding ourselves and, and others in light of, of this imperfect love that we actually understand that we don't have a full grasp of it. Two questions are this. How can I find the most satisfaction in the love of other people without experiencing necessary, unnecessary heartbreak? And the second question we're going to look at is, how can I help others to experience the satisfaction of a love that is becoming more like this heavenly love spoken of in 1 Corinthians 13? Uh, it was hard for me growing up when I didn't feel like I was loved the way that I wanted to be loved. It's hard for all of us today when we feel that. We, we aren't secure in our own skin all the time. We find value in, in how other people look at us, how they think about us. And, and so what happens is sometimes I think we become hardened to love. We get a bad taste in our mouths because of painful relationships, things that have gone on that have hurt. And so what happens is sometimes we start to pretend like we don't actually really need love. Like I don't need relationships if, that's what it's, if that, that pain is what's going to happen to me. But we all know that we're kidding ourselves if that's what we're saying to ourselves. Everyone is incomplete until they experience being fully known and fully loved. First Corinthians says, we, we, will, not, we will, not be, uh, will not fully know love until that day we see Jesus face to face. But I want you to understand this. We are already fully known and fully loved by Jesus. That's something, I think if there's anything that we need to understand this morning, it is that. We are right now fully known, fully loved by Jesus. It does not matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what you have said, what your past is. What, if you would come to the place where you would say, I'm going to accept that Jesus loves me despite of who I am. He is always going to be there every single time for us. We have a love that is given to us in Jesus. But it's also really hard for us to understand that love when we don't feel like the people around us that we can see face to face are loving us the way that we need to be loved. It's hard for me to understand and grasp the love of Jesus, the love of a God who we can't see, especially when I'm not being loved by the people that I can see. Deep down, we need to be experiencing love from people, but the problem is, is people hurt us all the time. And so if, if people are our main source of understanding what love is, 
we are going to be let down. You're naturally going to seek a heavenly kind of love that 1 Corinthians 13 alludes to. Um, but again, it's hard to experience that with humans. And so it begs us to a- ask this question. How can I find the most satisfaction in the love of other people without experiencing unnecessary heartbreak? Because bottom line, the heartbreak's going to come cu- from people. And the answer is this. Remember that the love of Jesus fills and completes you while the love of another person can only at best be a flawed blessing that's going to require work and grace. The love of Jesus is the only thing that will ever fill your heart to capacity. It's the only thing. Sometimes when more of you is exposed to somebody else, what happens is they're not going to respond with the grace and love that Jesus would respond with. And so it's hard for us. We have to, though, be, we have to learn to be okay in those moments. We have to learn to remind ourselves in those moments that whatever might separate me from somebody else, it is not something that will separate me from Jesus. Nothing can actually separate me from the love of Christ. It says in Romans 8, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's so easy for me to say things that's going to separate me from somebody else. We say and do things, we think things, we act in ways that separates us from other people. And so that's why it's really hard for us to get to that place where somebody else fills our love bucket. Because there's going to be separation at times. But there is nothing that separates us from the love of Jesus. Best friends all the time do things that they hurt each other. It's like the number one theme when you watch kids' shows, I found out. That friends, best friends get mad at each other and they decide in the show, I'm never going to talk to you again, I hate you. Every single kid's show. That's the storyline, I think. And then by the end, they, they make up. It's good. But married couples, they, they vow to love each other forever, and then they don't hold to that vow. Companies let go of good employees who have sweat blood and tears for their company for years. We, we will be let down by people. You're going to be separated from people sometimes in your life. Sometimes it's going to be their choice. Sometimes it's going to be your choice. Sometimes it's going to happen through no choice of your own whatsoever. And it's in those times that we have to remember that the only, only the love of Jesus is going to fill and complete you. If we can get to that place where that is what we, we are reminded of and we live in that truth moment by moment, it's going to be possible to, to exist in those difficult times. There's something also powerful, I think, that, that comes when, when you find that your love bucket is being filled by Jesus and not by other people. When you have found security in the love that Jesus has for you, you're going to become a person who's easier to love by others. I can tell you from my experience with my wife, uh, she is she's really, really, really annoyed with neediness uh, and clinginess. And I'm going to tell you, I am not typically a needy, clingy person, but when I'm when, I'm, when my love bucket is feeling low, I get really needy and clingy with my wife. Can I tell you? It, didn't even, it even annoys me. <laughs> I'm like, I am a pathetic person right now. But honey, I need you. 
And I can just imagine what's going through her mind most of the time when that's happening. But that happens, that neediness happens when I am needing somebody else to fill this love bucket that is supposed to be filled by Jesus. And so you, you wonder how, how you can be better in relationship with people and you can love people better. It's when your love bucket is filled up by Jesus. Now all of a sudden, I don't need somebody to come and give me all the love and I can actually give that love out the, the, way, that, the way that Christ would want me to give that love out. I'm now able to turn from needing to find people to love me and now I can go out and I can love people the way that Jesus called me to. And really, that, that's leading into this second question that I want us to talk about here. How can I help others to experience the satisfaction of a love that is becoming more like the heavenly love that's spoken of in 1 Corinthians 13? And the answer is this. Never stop being willing to share experiences with people. Don't stop sharing experiences. And you might be like, sharing experiences? Like what, sharing experiences, what does that have to do with what you're talking about, Kellen? Let me go back to sixth grade, Kellen, for a minute. Uh, that was one of those very few moments in my life that I can, I can, it sticks out. I can remember it like it was yesterday. Not getting to share in that experience with my friends, it hurt. Not getting to share in that experience, it, it, in some way it told me I wasn't fully known and I wasn't fully loved. And it hurt. There's something about sharing experience with people. It is actually an act of grace. It's saying, I know you, I see you, and I'm still going to be here for you. Shared experience absolutely matters. Shared experiences, I don't think they have to be huge moments. It uh, can just be a small moment that where, you, where you let somebody know you see them, you know them, you love them. Um, maybe you don't know them fully, but you know them enough to be able to say, all of that I see, I still love. I still care about. I think life is meant to be shared together. We kind of talked about this about four weeks ago. Life is meant to be shared together. But being honest about it, sharing life together, it's really, really hard. We don't want to a lot of times. Ephesians 4, uh, Paul says, Be completely humble in nature. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I'm telling you, Paul is really clear on this. We are called to be together with other people. But it is not easy. It's so not easy that he actually says, bear with each other. Like if, if you're doing a commercial to try to get people to want to hang out together and, and Paul's like, you need to bear with each other. That's not, the way, like, that's not the way to get people excited about hanging out, sharing experiences. But he is saying we have to bear with each other. Because there, there's a statement I'm going to say, and this statement is 100% not in Scripture. The statement is this. I can be the person I am supposed to be by myself. You know how many times I think we think and we say that? I can be who I'm supposed to be by myself. I don't need people. That is not in Scripture. The very beginning of the Bible, we see that being alone is not what we're called to. Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, after he created Adam, he said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. I don't know if you guys have ever watched the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks. Uh, it's a pretty classic movie. Guy goes, uh, and he's, I think he's like a FedEx post guy, and he, he's on a plane, and it goes down, and he's one person left on a, an island by himself for like a bunch of years. And somewhere in the middle of the movie, there is one of the things that was in a, part, a piece of luggage was a Wilson volleyball. And 
he takes out this Wilson volleyball, and one day he got mad, and he kicked it or something. He, his hand was all bloody, and this bloody handprint got on the Wilson ball. And then he went and got the ball, and he took the ball, and he, he like painted out a, a face on it. And then you see throughout the rest of the movie, he is talking to Wilson as Wilson is a person. Completely. And you're, you're watching the movie, you're going, this is stupid. Nobody would ever talk to Wilson volleyball like it was Wilson the person. This is dumb. Then you get towards the end of the movie, and Tom Hanks, he's like, I got to get off this island. So he builds a raft, and he gets off out into the ocean. And he's, he's out just drifting away. And one day, he kind of wakes up, and he looks, and he sees Wilson, the volleyball, is off of the raft a ways. Now, everybody that's been watching the movies like, has been like, this Wilson thing is stupid. And the moment you see that Wilson volleyball out in the ocean, you're like choking up. And you're throwing stuff at the TV. No! Not Wilson! Get Wilson back! Man! And here's the reason why. It's because we know relationship is so important. Relationship's so important that this one stupid volleyball was the one thing that we knew in like seven years on an island. He was able to talk to and he had a relationship with it. It, it seems silly, it seems stupid, but we need it. We have to have it. And you see that in that movie. Relationship matters. We are people who are made for love. And you and I, through shared experiences, can help other people experience just a little bit more this idea of being fully known and fully loved. This idea of this heavenly kind of love that I think Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. The thing that we're not going to know completely until we see Jesus face to face. But you and I have the option, the ability, in some way, shape, or form, to show people that, that fully known, fully loved kind of love a little bit more today. So I'm asking you this. Are you sharing your life with anybody? I don't think it's enough to sh just share life at church. Are you inviting somebody to lunch? Are you opening your home ever to people to come into your home and just be loved? Do you send a text out of the blue to, to let somebody know you're, you're thinking about them? I, I try to put on my daily to-do list to send one text of encouragement. I don't do it every day because I'm not always in the mood, all right? But there's something about out of the blue letting somebody know, I see you, I know you, I still love you. It's such a powerful, valuable thing to share with people. Are you telling people in your life today, I see you, I know you, I love you? That is an amazing gift that you and I have to give to other people. It's an amazing gift that a lot of people need, that a lot of people don't have. And I believe if we give that gift to other people, we start to, we start to bring down the, this, this heavenly love that people can experience now today. Um, honey, could you go get me a communion cup? I didn't bring one up here. If we're going to take communion in a minute, and like I, I just, I forgot to bring up communion. My brain's been in different places today. Um, if you don't have a communion cup, I want to invite you to go ahead and, and go to one of our tables at the side of back. You can get a, a communion cup. Um, it is hard to believe in the kind of love that we are talking about today. Our world is messed up. We all see it every day. Just open up the news and you know that this world is absolutely messed up. We need people to see us, to know us, and to love us, but we, more than anything, 
need to rest in the, in the joy that we know that Jesus loves us, that he sees us fully as we are, and we can walk in front of him. We can be naked and unashamed and be loved by him still. And when I start to take that fully in, that's when I'm able to start to love people with his kind of love and with his kind of grace. That no matter what happens, no matter what somebody else might do, that I still might be able to have the grace to say, I see you, I know you, and I love you. And so what I want to do today is I want to, I want to, as we take communion, I want you just to think about this. This idea that Jesus, as he was on the cross, giving up his body for you, shedding his blood for you, he was literally saying to us, Kellen, I see you. Kellen, I know you. Kellen, I love you. Every kid who's struggling this week, I see you. I know you. I love you. Every single person in this room who's struggling like that, he sees you. He knows you. He loves you. Okay, so I'm going to pray. And let, let, let Jesus wash those words over you because I think we need it. Lord, I thank you so much for your grace. God, I thank you so much that in the midst of a world that's hard and a world that's dark, that we know that we have the love of Jesus. No matter what I've done, you look at me with compassion and you say, Kellen, I know it. I get it. I see it. I see what you've done. You're a mess up, but I, I still see you and I know you and I love you. God, I pray that that kind of love would wash over us in such a way that it would change, that it would change our heart for other people. That the person that I look at today and I say, man, I can't stand being around that person. I struggle with them. That you would help me to see that that's, you could have looked at me the same way. Help me to love people the way that you love me. God, we thank you for your cross. We thank you for your body and your blood shed for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, let's eat and drink together. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.